Health, Fitness and Success, episode two, uh, which is your podcast and guide to winning at everything. I'm Marquise. And I'm Ben Tormey. Um, okay, welcome to the second episode. Uh, today, we're going to start off with a new section, as for last time. First part of the story in, is, we're going to start again. So, <laughs> <laughs> so like, I'm Mark. I'm Mark. My name is Mark. Fuck's <laughs> sake. At least it's you this time. <laughs> Someone's got to do it. Hello. Welcome to Health, Fitness and Success Podcast. Episode 2. Dot there, HMB. Welcome to Health, Fitness and Success, Episode 2. Uh, this is your podcast and your guide to winning at everything. Hello, I'm your host, Mark. And I'm Ben Tormey. Okay, um, welcome to the second episode. I'm going to start off with the news. Um, our first story today from the last two weeks is from the BBC News website. It was placed on... Um, BBC Newsbeat, which is um, their kids' news channel, it was also on um, News 24 and their other outlets. Um, basically, it's um, based off the Needle Exchange, which is a program in the UK, which is used by heroin users and other st- other drug users um, uh, that use injectables. And it's basically it's a place where they can go to get sterile injection kits. The, it was set up during the 80s to counteract the the sharing of needles and the and the spread of HIV/AIDS. And basically, based off these needle exchanges, um, in the last 10 years, so from 2004 to 2014, they've seen a 650% increase in the amount of needles being given out for the use of bodybuilding and anabolic steroids. Uh, basically, in the piece, they interview a bodybuilder. Um, they also interview some kid who's been who's 19 or 17. He's been left for a little while and is talking about how he wants to get on steroids. And then it's the usual crap where they talk to an expert, talk through it and whatever. Um, ben, do you have any input on this? Yeah, um, I mean, the article isn't too bad, I guess, since it seems... Um, you know, since it's newsbeat, it's aimed at a younger audience, but there's a number of basic sort of errors and things that kind of perpetuate the same old myths about anabolic steroids that always get uh, carded out. And, um, it's just, it's not a terrible article, um, just could be a bit more accurate. Yeah, I actually thought the article was pretty evenly handedly writ. Um, Although I would take issue with the 650% rise in anabolic steroid use within the UK. I think that's probably more due to steroid users knowing that there's a place where they can go get free and safe needles. Yeah, not exactly. Ne- not necessarily that there's 650% more people in the UK. Definitely. 
Um, yeah, I mean, not not a bad article. It's just just little things like when they say um, here that Dave says he tolerates the drugs very well, but admits to getting flu-like symptoms and swellings after injecting himself, which, of course, you could explain a little bit more is down to the fact that um, if these things are being produced in underground labs, there's a possibility they're contaminated or there's bacteria. So it would, I guess, do quite well to maybe expand on that. But like you said, it's quite a balanced article, quite well written. As you'd probably expect from the BBC. Um, so not really much to comment on here, other than say <laughs> it, it was in the news. Um, and from a 290 people from 2010 to 2,161, 2013, is quite a sharp rise in the amount of users, but over the UK, still a tiny, tiny percentage of people. Yeah. So the, the other thing is the kid in the article who said um, he's pretty lean. Um, no, I think no. he just needs to lift some more before taking any steroids. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think he should maybe try eating food. Yeah, yeah. yeah try try Big Mac. That'll <laughs> ten right. stone, seven try, pounds. Try a calorie surplus and <laughs> see where you go from there. I think it might work fairly well. Definitely. Yeah, well, that's that's that age-old thing though of kids, seventeen, eighteen, wanting to do gear without training properly. Definitely. Because yeah. they haven't got, yeah, they don't like Arnold Schwarzenegger, they don't like, like Arnold Schwarzenegger after three months, so it can't be done, so. Well, that was the thing, I remember when I started training, I, I weighed about 10 stone, and I just ate a lot of food, probably too much, um, for like a year and a half, did nothing but eat, like, I used to have four cheeseburgers for lunch every day. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, that's it, man. And I didn't, you know, I didn't think about drugs or anything like that because I knew you just had to eat more and, and train hard. I don't think even after that year and a half, I really knew what training hard was all about, although I did push myself a lot. I think, like you're saying, a lot of people just need to, to go away and put the hard work in before looking at stuff like this. Uh, it's a learning experience. I mean, after 10 years, I'm still learning how I react to training, still learning like what's good for me, what kind of stretches are good for me, what kind of food's good for me, how much is too much food, a little, much is too little food. Uh, I'm still learning after 10 years, and if I'm still learning, I'm, certain, <laughs> I'm sure this kid um, <laughs> has a bit of learning to do as well, but it's all self-taught. Um, you can talk to as many people as you want, but until you actually go through the process of training um, and eating, you can't really appreciate what's good and what's bad for yourself. Yeah, exactly. Okay, um, right, I'll probably cover is that um, news article. So the next one is one of yours. It's the HMB study, so do you want to take us off on that? Yeah, so this is um, quite recent. <clears throat> um, it was Jacob Wilson and a bunch of other authors involved, and it's quite interesting because it was, it was done on HMB, which a lot of people have written off as a kind of useless supplement. Um, so if you're not familiar with HMB, it's sort of, it's a metabolite of, of leucine basically. And it's been studied before, but it's never really, in the studies that I've read, it's always come out as a bit of a failure. But the difference here is that this study was, um, was really positive. So it was, um, the effects of 12 weeks of HMB supplementation, uh, on muscle mass, strength and power in resistance trained individuals. It was a randomized, double blind and placebo controlled study. So this was a very, very rigorously set up study. Um, it was very difficult to really fault the methodology. Um, 
And what was particularly impressive about this article was actually the results that they published um, showed a very significant uh, increase in lean mass uh, with the HMB group. So the group that actually uh, supplement with HMB um, got results that you'd usually associate with uh, <laughs> with uh, hormone use. So <laughs> there was that a steron. Yeah, with sterons, Yeah, so there was a. It was something. A little, it was a tiny bit over seven kilograms on average of gain in, in lean body mass in the HMB group versus a little over two kilo two two kilograms in the placebo group, um, and both groups lost fat. So um, uh, there's been there's been a couple of articles written on this, so I don't really want to go into too much detail about you know analysing the design of the study and the results. But um, if you if you're interested in that, you can look at a great article over evidence based fitness, and there's another one at Subversity. Um, but I guess the, the main problem that people have identified, and you can see if you dig into this full text, which is freely available. Um, that they seem to have held back uh, some data. So, um, you know, there's some there's some stuff in the reporting that wasn't, you know, it's not explained. There's some quirks there, and it's difficult to know whether or not this is something we can rely on completely because it is it's it's a very significant gain in, in lean mass. Um, there are questions over why um, some data wasn't presented and you know it's it's whether or not there's any 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 issues with that that um that will determine whether or not we can take this study seriously but at face value um it seems to show that hmb is you know a very very useful study although they use a slightly different form of uh of hmb probably um, one that's going to be a product in the near future <laughs> um yeah. yeah, so basically you're going to be taking HMB, you're going to be making all kinds of gains. Exactly. All kinds. Yeah. Um, just while you're talking there, I just did a little bit of digging. Um, this is, if you ever get the full text of an article, always look at the, they have to declare a conflict of interest at the bottom, which they have done. Um, they're funded by Metabolic Technologies, and if you Google them, uh, Metabolic Technologies Incorporated develops nutritional products in the United States. It offers, guess what it offers, Ben? Does it offer HMB? It does, yes. Uh, (laughs) A nutrition supplement that increases breakdown of muscle and recruiting, blah, blah, blah. I mean, something like that would, yeah. I don't know how serious I take that study. Um, No. But as as another kind of point of interest, in 2004, or is it 2003? It's 2003, there was a systematic review of progressive risk training. Oh, shit, am I looking at the right one? Nah, I've got the wrong study. Um, okay. Well, talk about that one if you want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, basically, there's there, there's a there's a systematic review that was done in 2004 on. Um, I'll dig out the the URL for the show notes. Oh, basically, they looked at like something like 250 different supplements um, on strength and size, and they basically they out of everything they pulled out, um, they pulled out two supplements that were of worth, and that was creating HMB. Yeah, so the, the creatine is a steroid, so we can't, you know. <laughs> well, we, we can't in good conscience um, <laughs> say to anyone to take creatine because of the horrific side effects, um, which include muscle strength, size gain, and, uh, of course, 
massive creatine rage. <laughs> which is accounted for thousands of death, deaths throughout the world. Um, it just makes me so mad. <laughs> I'm just mad just thinking about it. I, mean, I, I haven't taken creatine in must be about five years, and I'm so mad right now. We basically just mentioned the word creatine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, interesting uh, subjects, interesting interesting study is the word I'm looking for. <laughs> um, and also, yeah, it's nice to have the full text available. Yeah, that was cool because, I mean, a lot of these studies, you know, you want to dig in and find out the methodology and all of that, but then it's, you know, a spring your own journal and you've got to pay money for that and uh, it's not always easy, if, especially if you're a lay person who doesn't have any journal access. You're not a student, you know, you don't have any um, access to these things. It's difficult to really form an opinion. It's, it's Without the full text, it's almost worthless trying to form an opinion based off an abstract. Because yeah. there's things that we've just came across that was funded by someone who produces HMB. Yeah, exactly. And it, and the other thing is it's it's a different form of HMB. It's, it's HMB-free acid, which is not the usual calcium-bonded HMB. So, you know, like you said, very likely that we'll be seeing um, a fancy new HMB supplement out. Um, I'll, <laughs> I'll put money on it right now. Um, okay, uh, so you happy enough with that? Yeah, yep. okay. I'm uh, we'll, happy, yeah. <laughs> we'll move on to the the next topic, which um, I made a rant about on YouTube. Um, <laughs> and basically, it was, it was published in the Metro for, going on two weeks ago now, and it was pretty much the day after we did this podcast. Um, and it was a girl called Annabella something or other, Annab- Anita Albrecht, um, who um, had a piece in the Metro the, that stalwart of um, UK <laughs> journalism. Um, it is the Yang to the BBC's Ying. Uh, anyway, it's, it's a picture of obesity. NHL, NHS tells bodybuilder she must lose weight and exercise more. And basically over the piece, as I said, she went into um, a health clinic when she was was she pregnant at the time? Is that correct? Uh, um, I think or she be rec- or she was recently postpartum. I'm not sure. She was pregnant, or I can't remember reading the thing again, um, but there was something to do with pregnancy, and she stepped on the scales, and she was 66 kilos, um, which according to BMI makes her obese. Uh, and then basically the whole piece is like a, a witch hunt over the BMI and then NHS of how this is a ridiculous measure for someone who lifts weights. Um, ben, do you want to chip in? Um, yeah, so hang on a minute. I, I just had a little look in the article to refresh my memory and it, it was about contraceptions and family planning so she, I don't, don't know where I got the idea she was um, postpartum from but uh, anyway yeah I've, I've experienced this before where you'll have someone who usually a fitness professional claims that BMI is useless and that we should all be doing I don't know caliper measurements or DEXA scans of people to determine their body bod fat pod. yeah bod pod <laughs> stuff and you know, that's all well and good, but they're forgetting that for the general population, i.e., you know, pretty much everyone in the country, um, BMI is... I.e., 65 million people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> BMI is just fine. And um, it's more ridiculous, although it's, you know, p- these people never seem to spot how crazy it is to suggest it. It's more ridiculous to 
expect that the NHS should retrain like all GPs in the country to do caliper measurements <laughs> or to fund, you know, using expensive equipment for what is a very, you know, what is a very straightforward measurement that you can take with BMI. You know, if someone's got a huge BMI, they're sitting in front of the GP, you can see that they're obese, then you know they're obese. It's not, <laughs> not a difficult thing to, <laughs> to work out. Well, basically, you see, the, you, the way that I would look at it is you look at Jay Cutler on one hand and you look at an obese fat man on the other hand. Yeah. Most of these guys' life expectancy <laughs> is less than average. <laughs> well, no, you see, that's the problem because... I literally just look at their BMI. I am unable to tell the difference between Jay Cutler and a large obese man. To be I, fair, though, if you were to look at their BMI, Jay Cutler probably have a lesser BMI, but I'd be willing to bet that Jay Cutler would perspire quicker than the fat guy. Yeah. But if, and the funny thing is, if we're talking about body composition, I do believe that sumo wrestlers have the greatest proportion of lean mass out of most athletes. Um, of course, they're also massively <laughs> overweight, They're just making gains, bro. Why they're just hate? making gains, yeah. Clean, lean gains. <laughs> lean gains. They're making my gains, bro. <laughs> Eating sushi, drinking sake, throwing each other. It's a good program. Just try it. Guys got all kinds of lean mass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... um so as usual, I think this is indicative of a small minority of people, you know, people involved in fitness, trying to force their, you know, their ideas onto the general population. And, um, you know, this is most prevalent when it comes down to food choices, attitudes towards exercise. It's it's all it's all people living in a bubble who don't realize that the rest of the world doesn't work the way that they do. And it's not normal to really expect other people to just, you know, indulge your lifestyle. Well, I think what you don't realise, though, Ben, is that their bubble is correct and everyone else is wrong, so... Yeah, oh, sorry, yeah. <laughs> well, I think you should probably take yourself in a corner and think about what you just said, because, you know, these are all highly trained individuals with um, huge IQs. Yeah, uh, in <laughs> uh, certification, many of them. Oh, I went to a weekend course, and so, yeah. I'm a, a Rep 3 PT now, bruh, so... Yeah. Regardless of what I think, um, but in seriousness though, I mean, BMI for what it's used for is a very useful tool. What it's used for is large epidemiological studies where you're going through 200,000, 300,000 people and trying to pick out trends. And to be fair, those trends are solid. If you have a large BMI, you're more likely to perspire earlier than someone with a medium BMI. Yeah. It's common sense. If you're a 140 kilo bodybuilder or 140 kilo fat guy, your heart has to work at an extra strain to pump blood around your larger mass, which means there's more strain in the heart, you're more likely to things like heart disease, which means you die um, quicker. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Um, if you have a six-pack and someone says your BMI is high, um, and you take offense to that, then, yeah, I don't know what to, to say to you. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, just just accept the fact that whether or not... I mean, this is my issue. Is you've, you've got a hobby that presumably you enjoy. It's a lifestyle. In the same way that if someone enjoys smoking, they accept the risk involved with that. It might be that what you do, whether or not you perceive it as healthy with your diet and your training, 
isn't necessarily optimal for for long term health. You just accept that and you move on. You know, you don't don't make a huge song and dance about it, crying about how the NHS is, you know, stupid and that BMI is, you know, doesn't work. It's uh, it's crazy. Man, fuck the NHS. Trying to make me all <laughs> yeah. healthy and shit. Yeah, exactly. I won't go to America me. where I can pay a hundred thousand dollars for a fucking I don't know. For, for, for paracetamol. Yeah, paracetamol. Cetamol. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty stupid. Anyway, uh, let's move on. Okay. The next yeah. piece. So the next piece was um, another fairly recent study. I mean, I think it was back in February now, um, which was on unsaturated versus saturated fats. Um, so what they did was they, they made them fight each other to the death uh, to see which one was best. <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, well, it was um, it was basically the title of the study was overfeeding polyunsaturated and saturated fat causes distinct effects on liver and visceral fat accumulation in humans. So what they did was they overfed people um, diets, um, you know, either comprised where well, their fat intake was comprised of um, uh, saturated fat or polyunsaturated fat, although. In terms of what that actually meant in the study, it wasn't just people literally just eating saturated fat or literally just eating polyunsaturated fat. Um, the differences weren't that great between the two groups. However, there was a marked difference between the ratios of saturated fat to polyunsaturated fat. So, um, so what they actually found was that um, what you might consider as bad um, fats, so polyunsaturated fats, have been demonized by a lot of people um, and a lot of people have, have equally promoted saturated fats as being good yeah, um, especially when you look at things like uh, bulletproof coffee for instance where you just chug lots of uh, lots of butter um, and that's great because saturated fats are great and there are no downsides to just eating arbitrary amounts of saturated fat apparently um, <clears throat> but yeah this this study found something surprising which was that um in the context of uh, visceral and uh, liver fat accumulation, the, the polyunsaturated fat came out better. Uh, so that group, um, you know, came out. Um, so there was actually a correlation between the amount of uh, omega-6 fatty acids, um, the, the relative amount, sorry, and the change in lean mass. So it was actually a beneficial change. Um, so the more omega-6s you had, uh, in your blood, the more lean mass you tended to have. So that was surprising. Um, and it, I suppose the interesting thing is to point out that the group, the group who had the polyunsaturated, polyunsaturated um, intake, um, uh, sorry, the saturated fat intake, were primarily getting it from palm oil. Um, so it wasn't necessarily animal fat that they were they were getting so it's difficult to make direct comparisons with um you know with let's say the bulletproof coffee um sort of you know diet um but it showed that the omega-6 uh, polyunsaturated fat diet was 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 superior in the context of, of overfeeding so in a calorie surplus it was less fattening um and that could be a num for a number of different reasons um but uh, it was interesting because you know there's been a huge sort of bandwagon where people have been demonizing polyunsaturated fats and 
and glorifying saturated fats. And I just felt that this was just a sign that we should have perhaps a little bit more balance. I don't, I don't know what you think. I mean, like balance, of course, is a terrible idea. And what you should do is just pick something and just go to completely fucking <laughs> end of the spectrum and just do that. <laughs> you don't want to moderate anything because that's clearly ridiculous. Um, well, from looking at the study, they got to eat muffins, which is yeah. Good. Yeah, well, muffins. Um, everyone likes muffins. Maybe we should come up with a thing, uh, bulletproof muffins. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's basically just all butter shaped into a muffin. Yeah, I mean, you know, people like coffee. Some people don't like coffee, but who the fuck doesn't like muffins? Hang on a minute. Some people have muffins with their coffee. Oh, so fucking hell. <laughs> World War Three breakfast. So yeah, the, one other thing I should point out was that the um, the polyunsaturated fat diet was was actually fairly balanced in terms of the fat content. So it, you could even take this study to mean, you know, shock horror, that having a balance of fat intake is kind of better for you than just you, you know. Mean when the government suggested that we should have thirty percent of our fat intake as our calories coming from fat, and that should be evenly spread ten percent between monosaturated, 10% saturated, and 10% polysaturated, that they might have had a good idea. Well, no, that's crazy, because <laughs> we know the government are wrong about everything, and, um, you know, it's all outdated. And, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we've got a study here with 39 people that clearly states inconclusively that everyone else is wrong. And uh, But, yeah... I mean, it's, it's common sense, really. I mean, a balanced diet approach is probably a good idea. Um, Turns that, out that, you know, most problems can be solved. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm hugely obese and I don't exercise. Maybe if I ate less food and did slightly more exercise, I would lose a bit of fat. And, of course, take your HMB. Of course, take my HMB and also... Um, down, down regulate my saturated fat intake, upregulate my poly, unsaturated fat, bulletproof muffins. Um, what sort of exercise should I do? Should I do HIT or should I do uh, long slow distance training or what? Well, no, I you, you you mustn't do long slow distance because you will you'll get fat. Ah shit! Fat, but but fat. I'm already fat. Will I get fatter if I do that? Well, yeah, but you probably just you know unboundedly increase <laughs> your your body fat until you explode. But uh, do I not want to make gains? Do I not want to put body weight on? Is that not? Like, well, that's what the HMB's for. <laughs> oh, I see. I see. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a fairly interesting study. Um, the interesting things are where the, the, the fat stories, um, the subcutaneous body fat, which is a huge indicator for chronic heart disease and metabolic syndrome, and also liver fat, which we all know is the best kind of fat. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's most delicious <laughs> <laughs> indeed anyone who eats liver will understand um, so obviously Han- Hannibal Lecter has probably studied um, uh, <laughs> yeah had a hand in this study I'll tell um, you what that's a cracking series uh, if anyone uh, I haven't seen it um, my girlfriend watched it for a while um, you're fine definitely definitely watch it um, we'll, we'll maybe do a little bit of that at the end um, talk about series and stuff because there's some good stuff going on at the minute um, so you happy enough with that to end there? Yep. Okay. Um, we're just going to go into the topic of the week, um, which is a BBC News article, selfies, 
everyone loves a good selfie, especially those in the <laughs> fitness world. Um, it's entitled Selfie Body Image Warning Issued by Helen Briggs. Um, basically, the play-by-play is they, they focus on women because obviously men aren't worthwhile focusing on. Um, but according to the study, women take much more um, Facebooks of, and Facebooks? <laughs> Much more Facebook. Take all the Facebooks. They take all the Facebooks. All the Facebooks are belonging to them. Uh, basically, they take a lot more pictures to put on Facebook. And the article basically says if they look at other women's photos, selfies, it has an impact on the body image. Um, looking at friends' bodies has more of an impact than looking at the bodies of celebrities. Um, let's take some quotes out of here. Um, the fascination with celebrities, their bodies, clothes, and appearance has all increased the pressure that people typically feel at a time when they seek to establish their own identities and when bodies are growing and changing. Young people compare themselves to the images that bombard them and feel it is their fault that their bodies compare so unflavorably. It is their fault. Uh, <laughs> the more women spend time on Facebook, the more they compare their bodies with those of their friends and more they felt negative about their appearance. Spending more time on Facebook is not connected to developing a bad relationship with food, but there is a connection to poor body image. Um, Peter Petraea of the University of Strathclyde in Glasgow told the BBC, she added, the attention to physical attributes may even be more dangerous on social media than on traditional media because participants in social media are people we know. The comparisons are more relevant and hit closer to home, yet they may be just as unrealistic as the images we see on traditional media. Um, yeah, so basically that's the gist of the article. And um, people look at photos of people who may be in better shape, compare themselves against them, and get depressed. Uh, ben, do you want to chip in? Um, yeah, there was um, there was a story a little while back, wasn't there, about um, a kid called Danny Bowman who uh, tried to commit suicide after having an obsession with selfies. He um, he spent you know most of the day taking photos of himself, and he was looking for the perfect selfie all the time. And I think he became addicted to that. You know, he became depressed and um, tried to kill himself as a result. Yeah, must be some bad lighting. <laughs> Find the right filter. Yeah, yeah, God. I mean, uh, you know, some people might think it's bad that we're joking about this, but. Someone who has like takes this to the extreme, where they're taking selfies of themselves, and they get so caught up in self-image that they go to the extreme of trying to end their own life. Clearly, is mentally imbalanced, and it should be dealt as a mental health issue with that person, and not as that health. The selfies are bad. I mean, if you look at the same thing, alcohol as an example. Alcoholics can't control their alcohol impact, impact, input. <laughs> their alcohol input can't control their alcohol intake. It doesn't mean that alcohol is bad, per se. It just means that there are people out there who have addictive personalities who maybe shouldn't drink alcohol. Yeah. Um, but going on this, I mean, this is a huge topic, um, one that receives a lot of attention. Uh, I really don't think it w- warrants any attention. If there wasn't a market for like the celebrity culture and the magazines, people buy it. Um, if people didn't buy it, it wouldn't exist. People have democratically chosen for this to exist by buying things. We only really have one democratic light choice really in our life, and that's what we buy. 
Um, that's pretty much the only place in society where we have 100% freedom, but, like with the caveat of obviously like, some things are illegal but can still be bought in most cases. Um, so if there's a big enough market for it to exist and to exist the like with so much prevalence as it is, we only have ourselves to blame really for the in the society that we live in. You, you can't really blame other people for what what for it existing. And also, um, if you have a negative self-body image and you don't like your body, well, <laughs> you can change it. <laughs> I mean, it's not, uh, it's not as if the information doesn't exist uh, regarding diet, exercise, and all the rest of it where you can have a positive influence on your own body composition. You can just look at what the government says and you'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> just get really good at Photoshop. <laughs> well, there's that too. Um, or even no, I think... Go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say, I think it's more the spectrum of, of different conditions, and I don't think it's caused by, I don't think taking a selfie causes the issues, like you said. I think it just ties into existing things like narcissism, addiction, you know, depression. I think it, it's just a part of, you know, a facet of human behaviour, which, you know, can be taken to extreme, like you said. Uh, there's not really any need um, for it to be controlled as such. Uh, people always have um, this opinion that this needs to be changed in the media, or this is a negative thing, yet don't have any solutions as to, <laughs> as to how it would be changed or how it would be made better. I'm always wary of people who don't have a solution. Yeah, and and ultimately, human beings, you know, we we have these sort of behaviours that, you know, fair enough, we didn't have the technology to uh, to take selfies, but you know. Narcissism comes from the story of Narcissus, you know. That <laughs> he that, he that, loved that pool. <laughs> yeah, he loved it. If, he, if he'd had an iPhone, you can just <laughs> imagine what his Instagram would have looked like. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I think this is clearly, you know, a behaviour which is being expressed in a, a novel way, but it, fundamentally it's nothing new. You know, all of this stuff has existed before, it's just we didn't have perhaps, you know, access to social media to show us pictures of other people. Um, you'd have to wait until you got an oil painting of your friend's, you know, profile picture or something. The selfie oil painting. Yeah, exactly. So, so I think they can. I think social. You think they ducked face in the Renaissance? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> just uh, filtering the uh, Sistine Chapel. You know, get. <laughs> the right filter on that <laughs> Michelangelo uh, just putting an Instagram on her <laughs> trying to get it. Um, but yeah it's. I think social media can exacerbate all of these problems I think it can make I think it can certainly lead to depression or narcissism but only because it, it's amplifying what's already there you know the potential for that um, so if you feel the sort of person who has a lot of friends on Facebook that you don't interact with might be a sign that perhaps you know perhaps a symptom of something else rather than you know rather than it causing um depression i think it just creates more opportunity for it perhaps or, or amplifies it but i don't think it i don't think it's a causal in that sense shit son i think i might be depressed <laughs> yeah. i've got 668 people on facebook of whom yeah, I wreck with about 20. <laughs> yeah, well, I've, I've, I think I've got about... I've deleted a bunch, but I think I've got about 1,700 and... Uh, I Come think on, I know, man, that's not a dick measuring contest. I know, um, 
I know uh, my girlfriend and um, and the, like maybe two other people, and uh, the rest are just. I don't even know who you are, to be honest. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm the guy at the other end of the phone talking, <laughs> talking shit. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the internet puts everything to hyperdrive, really. Um, if you're the sort of person that I don't know what I would have done as a teenager with Facebook and all of that available to me. Uh, it should have, it would have made things a lot more interesting growing up, I think. Oh, definitely. Um, but kids are still retards regardless of they got, um, access. They're still ball of, balls of hormones with little life experience, um, with things to prove and whatnot. I mean, there, there's always been, there's always been problems in society with youth and older generations thinking that there's been a problem. Yeah. I'd be willing to bet if you went back to, Mesopotamia, three, four, five thousand BC elders of the city would be thinking that the use there was a problem with it, some new um, way of camels. Yeah, <laughs> whatever. Um, it, it's an age-old problem, and it just kind of gets like sixties um, hippies and whatnot in that culture being stared down on it by the war generation, seventies, eighties, nineties, two thousands. Now. Um, uh, you don't have to look far back to see that history repeats itself in these things. Oh, definitely. And, and, and you've got to look at the positive aspects as well, because, yeah, the, even I had a little joke about the whole selfie um, awareness, the cancer awareness selfie trend, but, you know, that did have, even though it was an acute um, benefit, it did raise a lot of money for, for cancer research, and it shows you that these things don't necessarily have to be um, selfish, you know, people can use social media for good things. It's but like everything, you know, there's there's good and bad. I mean, it may be selfish, but everyone everyone has some form of narcissism. Everyone has an ego. People who think they don't are deluded. Um, and if it makes you feel good to take a selfie and put it on Facebook or Instagram, and people are willing to like it, give it a thumbs up, where's the harm? I mean... If someone wants well, the one, uh, one prayer on, on many of these photos, so it's you know you're you're literally saving a child in Africa if you like the photo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like so many things on Facebook. Uh, I must have saved I must have saved the entire village by now. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that um, certainly with quite a lot of people I know that um, make up make up less selfie kind of pissed a lot of people off just because it was so prevalent on Facebook but on the other hand it raised a shitload of money so that's a good thing surely yeah exactly um, and you know what it's you know we all do selfish things um, all of us all the time and it's just how they manifest um, themselves so going to the gym and trying to look good is pretty selfish um, totally so it's just uh, it's all on the spectrum of, of of these things, and I, I would I think it'd be hypocritical of me to to have a go at someone else for for being self absorbed when I can be just as bad as anyone else. Um, well, let's be honest, we're both probably more self absorbed than anybody else, or the vast majority <laughs> of people. I mean, <laughs> how often do you spend in the gym? How often do you spend thinking about your diet? I mean. 
Yeah. You often, often you think about self improvement, and this entire fucking yeah, podcast exactly. is you based know, I on be that. Volunteering. I could be volunteering for you know for charity, but I'm not doing that. I'm going to the gym to yeah. train, and it's like I, I I almost want those kids to die in Africa, you know, because I refuse to volunteer. I'd rather spend an hour. Hey, if you really cared, you would go out to Africa and do something about it. That's what I mean, but I'm not doing that. So no, I and I don't think the vast majority of people aren't doing something about it. So um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, personally. No, exactly. Well, yeah. Someone <laughs> the street. Um, yeah. So selfies are bad, and they're going to kill everybody. Thanks, BBC. Uh, yeah. So that that was the topic of the week, as marvelous as it was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we we don't have any questions for you today because the 117 people who watched it on Facebook or YouTube didn't give us any questions. Thanks, guys. No, they all they all hate it. Um. <laughs> well, we got three <laughs> likes, so the the three guys who liked their girls. Sorry, not to be sexist. Maybe it was three girls. Maybe we got three groupies out there. Although, bear in That's mind, one of those likes was probably you. The other one was me, and I'm pretty sure the other one was Yusef. So. Yeah, um, so we have it. We made it. <laughs> so Yusef's our groupie. Hey, Yusef, how's it going, I'll big do. guy? Um, <laughs> so uh, I think going forward, the Q&A section could be very useful for anyone listening to this podcast. Heaven forbid that you're doing such a thing. Yeah, so Yusef, if you have any, <laughs> Yusef, you have any questions you'd like to post to myself or Ben, um, we now have a an email because I registered one with Gmail. What up? Um, the email is healthfitsuccess at gmail.com. That is health, H-E-A-L-T-H, fit, F-I-T, success, C-U-C-E-S-S, at gmail.com. I'll post it in the show no- notes. Um, our podcast website is hjcp forward slash healthfitsuccess.blogspot.co.uk. Um, if you want to find a link to the URL, um, there's a there's a hyperlink in the menu in my website, castironshank.com. Um, so I think that pretty much concludes this episode. I've been Marquis. And I've been Ben Tommy. And we'll see you next time. Yeah, Help. thanks for listening again, Yusuf. See you later. Cheers, Yusuf. It means a lot, buddy. <laughs> Catch you later.